Well, I hesitate uh, uh, showing you this picture because anyone who has ever thrown a roll of toilet paper before is going to get a little excited, but we have a very large tree in our front yard, uh, and uh, uh, it's, it's quite uh, impressive. Uh, you know, we've lived in this house for 20 years, and, and 20 years as we've lived in this house, uh, the, we, we came there, the, tr- the tree was already there, and, and so for 20 years, we just watched uh, this, this tree grow even stronger, even bigger uh, during this time, and it, it, I will tell you, it's incredible in the sense that it creates amazing shade for our home, keeps our home cool, especially in the hottest part of the day. It, uh, birds nest in it, kids climb in it. Uh, my daughter's been climbing it lately, reading and watching uh, videos and things that she just kind of sits up in the tree as neighbors walk by. It's not unlike, it's not uh, uh, strange to go by our house and to see neighbor kids swinging uh, on our tree. Uh, and yes, there has been, uh, from time to time, uh, rolls of toilet paper that have found their way into that tree. And so uh, uh, it, it's been a challenge. But this image, uh, like, when you look at this tree, I am convinced that it would take an incredible act of God to remove this tree. If we tried to remove this tree, it would be a, a serious adventure for us because its roots go down so deep and so far. And this image of a tree deeply rooted is a powerful image that God has given us to think about our life with him. This image of this, uh, this idea of, this, of a tree who's, who's planted next to streams of water, who's, uh, 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 the, the roots go down deep and pull out this living water. And in the times of our life where, where uh, there's trouble that we are able to, to draw from this, that we, we withstand uh, storms, that we, uh, the, the, this tree can withstand the drought. Uh, Its leaf continues to to flourish. That in season, it continues to produce fruit. This is a strong image that we see again and again and again in scripture. It's a powerful image for us. And it's powerful because you and I know uh, we're going to be up against the same kind of things. We are going to face situations in our life where we are going to feel the pressing of the winds and the storms of life and the deep roots that we have in God are going to help us stand strong. We are going to experience seasons of drought. And whether we can pull from this living water or not, we, we will know whether or not we can uh, withstand it, whether or not there's a sense of, of the, the leaf continuing to be green. There, there's a, we want our lives to be fruitful. We want these very things. In fact, some of you know this right now. You, you're experiencing it. You're experiencing the force of a storm right now. And you are feeling the wind push you, almost try to push you over. And your roots are trying to dig down as deep as they can and try to stabilize you as deep as you can because you feel the pressure of a storm in your life right now. Others of you have been in a season of drought. It's dry in your life. And there's been things that have been going on for such a long time that, that these roots, digging these roots pulling from deep within are the, is the one thing that is holding you up during this time. And some of us are, are finding ourselves even questioning the things we've always believed. Why? Because we've just always believed them. And we're looking for answers and we're trying to face this. And we know this, we will all face storms. We will all face drought. We, will all, we all want fruitful lives. We want this image. And so the question is, how do we, how do we get there? Uh, deep roots are powerful. 
And, and this is one of those things where I think as we move into a new season for us as a church, we realize this is one of the things that we want uh, very, very much so to be part, to be true of who we are here at Beach Point. And so today I'm going to give you a challenge uh, as we've been thinking of, this, of this, these letters that, that God is writing to us, this challenge to grow deep. Dear Beach Point, grow deep. We want to think about how is it that we grow deep so that we, we do withstand the storms, that we do withstand the drought, that we do produce fruitful lives. How does this happen? And we're seeing, we're being reminded, we've been going through a, a letter in the, the scriptures, a letter to a, a church called the Colossians. And in this group, this young group, uh, this young church was being reminded in the very first century of what it was to, to build their lives. And we started seeing uh, just some different things. In chapter one, we saw that Jesus isn't just a big deal. He's the big deal of big deals. That he is supreme. He is over all things. Everything holds together because of him. Everything is because of him. And if he is over all things, he should be over all things in our life as well. And so we realize we have to be a church that puts him first in our lives. There can't be other competing things. Nothing else makes sense to be first in our lives other than him. And last week we were challenged to think about, okay, if we're going to place him first, how do we keep him first? How do we keep walking in such a way that, that he is that, that, that supreme leader in our lives, that he, just as he is in all of creation, he is in our lives. And, and thinking about the ways that we root our lives in him, we establish our lives in him, how we walk with him, how we take his teachings and live them out in our lives over and over again. And this week, it's interesting, as we come into chapter 3, we're going to see some very, I think, important instructions on how to grow deep. And so I want to invite you to turn to Colossians chapter 3. And there's a Bible in front of you, page 1184. But in Colossians 3, one of the things that we're going to see, uh, that, that Brian pointed this out last week, that if you're going to build something, if you're going to grow something, you got to tear away the old stuff. You got to remove the things and we're going to find ourselves today being invited to some, I, I would say some, uh, something that's going to require great courage on our part. But I'm going to show you why you can have great courage to do something that is going to feel very difficult. There's reason for this. But God's going to also show you that not only does he want to remove these things, but he wants to build something there. He wants to grow something there that is so much better than what we had previously. So here's the the big idea today that we'll see that if we want to grow deep, it's out with the old and it's on with the new. It's out with the old and on with the new. And maybe a little different than how you learned it, but I I think as you watch through this passage that there are two ideas that are coming together. There's one idea because of these things, because of who we are now uh, in our relationship with Christ, that there is something that we have to get rid of and there's something we want to let emerge and grow instead in its place. And so let's look at this together. And like I said, it's going to require some courage as we get to the end of the passage. uh, And uh, as we come to the end of our service, we're going to walk you through. Mitch and I are going to walk you through some different ways that we're going to start letting God uh, do this work. And so let's begin in verse 1. It says this. "Uh, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, you will also appear with him in glory. 
And so the first thing that he says is this. He says, you have to change your mind. If we're going to grow deep, you have to change your mind. You have to change the way you think. You have, to, uh, you have to start thinking differently. You have to set your minds on things that are different. You have to set your heart on things that are different. And he gives us reasons why this is. Uh, the only way your mind, your heart can get around something different, something better, uh, is if you, you kind of uh, uh, realize that the old things are not worth what these new things are. That, that the way that this old affection gets uh, replaced by a new uh, affection. I, I was thinking about this when I was in high school, very first day of high school. I sat down in my seat and uh, Literally, very first class, before class starts, uh, very first day of high school, this girl sits down in front of me, and my breath is taken away, and I think, that's the girl I'm taking to my senior prom. A little creepy now that I think about it, uh, but, but I, we developed a friendship. She was sweet. She was cute, all these things, but she became that girl. I don't know if you ever did this, but she was the girl that I would go to my locker for, right? I didn't have to go to my locker, but I went to my locker all the way across campus because our paths might, might meet along the way, and I, I, I bid my time. I waited, I waited, I waited until time for prom. And I was months ahead of everyone. I was not going to let anyone else ask her. And I asked her to prom. She said, yes, and mission accomplished. Now, again, creepy, okay? But I realized we actually dated my last year of high school, and then she went away to college. And I was like, how am I going to make it? How am I going to do this until what? How do you get over that? Someone better comes along. And someone better did come along. Actually, that next person who came along actually became my wife, my mother of my children. And I'd, I'd never even thought about that ever again. This new affection took those old things and just kind of put them in the past as if they never even happened. And, and watch what happens here. If you think about what he says here, he's trying to help you set your minds on something different. He's trying to set your heart on something better. And so what he says is this, is that you died with Christ and that you've been raised with Christ. He's saying, I want you to think about these heavenly realities, these godly realities. You died with Christ and you were raised with Christ. It's, it's, uh, in some ways, we see this as an image of baptism. In, in chapter 2, he talks about this in chapter 3, uh, that you died with Christ and you're raised with Christ. It's an image of what happens in baptism, that your old life, is, it dies and it's buried. That's not who I am anymore. It's who I was but it's not who I intend to be. And when he says that you have died in Christ, what he's helping you understand is that, that uh, it's almost as if uh, you were there on the cross with him, that God no longer counts your sin against you. There's no condemnation. There's no guilt anymore. You've died to those things. Those things are gone. And he wants us to set our minds on those things and embrace those things and let those things kind of take over your heart. But then he says this, that you've also been raised. And when we raise you out of the water, you're raised to live this new life. But this image is that you're, you're seated with Christ in the heavenly place. And, and you have to think about this, that Christ sits at the right hand of God. And there's this kind of image. So you have to imagine it this way in the ancient world. The king sends his son out and the son goes and fights this, this battle victoriously. He comes back. And what does the king do when he sees his son approach? His heart explodes with love. He's so proud of his son. He, he wants to honor his son. So what does he do? He brings before the whole kingdom his son. He seats him at, at, at his right hand. He seats him at his right hand. And it's a place of honor. And it's a place to display, this is my son in whom I'm, I'm so pleased. I love him. And when he says you are seated with Christ, 
think about this for a second. What he is saying is this, that, that you are, it's as if you are seated in that place as well. That God the Father is just as delighted in you as he is his own son. That what he sees in you is what he sees in his son. He, he, he loves you. He's delighted in you. He is proud of you. This is the way that we are supposed to, 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 to think of ourselves now in Christ. The old is gone. We, he doesn't count it against us. The new has come. He, he's flooded our lives with this love and affection. And I was thinking about this even as we were singing these words. I was wondering, like, do we, do we really believe these things that we're singing this morning? Like, we're kind of singing them. We're kind of half engaged, wondering how our fantasy football team is doing, whatever it is. But have you, I mean, was your mind taken to a place? Was your heart taken to a place where you realize how different reality is for you now because you, you know Jesus. The old is gone. The new has come. He's saying, you need to change your mind. You need to change the way you think of these things. And this is so important because it's such a radical power that then he can say the next things. Notice what he says. He says, therefore, because these things are true, here's what you have to do. Verse five, he says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once had or once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off the old self with its practices and you've put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. See here, there's no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Notice what he's saying. He's saying, look, there's a, there's a way you have to think differently about who you are. Because of who you are now, think differently. But notice what he says. Because of who you are, because Christ is in you, because Christ is making a new you, you have to do something about it. And notice, here's the challenge. You have to kill or be killed. You have to kill or be killed. Now, I want, you think about this next moment. This, this part is really, really strong language. He says, put to death these things. And he gives you a list. Now you're thinking to yourself, are these things really that bad? Well, notice what he says. He says, because of these things, God's wrath is coming. Yeah, they're that bad. Those are things that he said. And he's saying, look, that's not you anymore. That's who you used to be. But don't let these things continue to live in you. That's not who you're supposed to be. Those things are not life-giving. Those things are not, not who God sees you uh, moving forward. And so he uses the strong language. He doesn't say, tame these things. Get control over these things. Harness them. He says, kill them. Rid yourself of these things. Exterminate these things from your life. There is no softness to, to this idea. These things, you, these things will destroy you. These things will kill you. I, I was thinking about this. I, I don't know if you've uh, uh, ever caught this, but um, have you ever hired an exterminator before? But most people are willing to put up uh, with most things. Only 24% of adults will hire an exterminator for spiders, 27% for ants, 56% for bed bugs, 58% for cockroaches, 90% for termites, 
I guess if our house is going to fall down on us, then we'll finally do something about it. But think about this. Half of us are fine letting these things just exist in our world, exist in our life, no matter what kind of problems they might create. We just tolerate them. It's kind of like, imagine this. Um, Imagine Troy. Imagine your parents get you for Christmas a baby tiger. And you're like, like, oh, I heard this, right? Now imagine, how many of you would be excited to go over to Troy's house and play with the baby tiger, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, you want to come over, you want to play with the baby tiger, and it's so cute and cuddly, and it's growing up, and Troy sleeps with it, and he nuzzles with it all, you know, all these years growing up, until one day I'm standing here and say, guys, I have some bad news. Troy was mauled to, to death by his pet tiger. Right? Why? Because that's what tigers do. Okay? They are going to maul you. That's what they're trained to do. That's what their, their instinct is to do. But think about this. How many baby tigers do you have in your life? You're, where you think about this, where you think, ah, oh, there's something in my life. It's like, is it really that bad? Look at it. It's not that bad, is it? But if we continue to let it grow, if we continue to let it be what it is, is, is meant to be, eventually it will destroy you. Some of you know this from the own scars and pain you have in your life. You have been mauled by one, something on that list because you tolerated it or you engaged in it or you allowed it to grow in your life. And you can say, you could st- do it probably much better than me. You can say, please, my dear friends, kill those things or they will kill you. The language is really tough, right, that, that Paul gives. He's not playing around here, not because he's trying to kind of create this culture. He's just saying that's just not who we are. It's not who we are anymore. And it's a strong command. He says it another way to the Galatians. He says the exact same thing in another language, or another letter. He says it this way. Galatians 5, he says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires Crucifixion, there's nothing gentle about crucifixion. He crucified, he says, you have to kill these things. You have to destroy these things or these things will destroy you. It's not who you are anymore. It doesn't have to be a part of your life. And these hurts, these habits, these hangups, these things get, they can define us, they can control us. And I, let's be honest, there are parts of these things. If you look at some of this, you, you might be saying, but Bill, I've tried I am trying with all my might to get rid of some of these things in my life, and I am struggling. I, here's one thing I want to offer to you. Uh, every Monday night at 7 p.m., we have a group called Celebrate Recovery. It's one of our fastest-growing ministries we have here at Beach Point. It's one of the best things we do. But there's a group of people who are committed to this, together, in love, in wisdom, helping each other kill the things that would kill them. And I want to encourage you to come on Monday night if, if, if uh, you can. So he says, because of these things, therefore, because of these things, because God thinks these ways about you, he's, he has freed you from guilt. He's freed you from these uh, things. He's seated you with Christ. Kill these things. But then notice the next thing that he says. Once again, he says, therefore, okay? Notice, because God's done something, therefore, he says this. Therefore, he says, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, Humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against someone, 
Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. See, once our minds, our hearts are set on heavenly things, once we remove the destructive stuff, God can now start growing the things that he desires to be in us. And so uh, here's the last thing I want you to see is that we are now free to start living the new you. You are free to start living the new you. But I want you to see before you get to that point where you look at the, the, the place where it says, uh, uh, where you look at any command, any imperative, anything that you're supposed to do, did you notice something that, that he starts, he cycles back to identity. He cycles back to who you are. And he says this, he says, therefore, because... You are called, you are chosen, you are holy, you are dearly loved, then do these things. Think about what he's saying. You are chosen. God didn't get stuck with you. He didn't like, like get you like in a bad end of a trade. He, he wasn't deceived. When he, he chose you to be his. Before you loved him, he loved you. And he was working on your behalf to bring you to himself. You are chosen by him. And you are holy. It means set apart. You are set apart for him and his purposes. You are meant by God's design to do wonderful things. He has set you apart for incredible things. You are holy. You are set apart for him and his purposes and his pleasure. He has you in this way. And you are dearly loved. You are greatly loved. The, the word there is this uh, Greek word agape. It, 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 it's trying to help you understand the depth of that love. And the only way really for us in the church to understand it is when we focus on the cross. Because what it means is this, is that God loves you with a sacrificial love. That God loves you so much that he can demonstrate how big his love is for you by pointing you to the cross that even when we were sinners, Christ died for us. That's the depth of his love for you. It's not superficial. It's not like as long as you obey him. He loves you before you loved him, before you cleaned yourself up, before you got your act together. God loved you with with a sacrificial love. And he says, if you can set your minds on this, if you can set your hearts on this, then God can, can, he can clothe you. He can put you in a position where you, out of your heart, out of your life, explode these beautiful things where people see in you compassion and kindness. These things come out of you. And you're, you're, you're patient and you forgive each other. And you bear with each other. And the world around you goes, what is with you guys? Your coworkers say, you're different. What is going on? What, what is, what, what, what's in your coffee? Because there's just something different about you. And what you can say is, it's, it's not that I've tried to be different. It's just something different has happened to me. I have been changed by God's, by God's power and his grace and his love. There's a work of God in my life. And because I'm setting my mind on, on the things that he's done for me, 
I'm letting him grow these things in me. It's as if your roots are pulling from this living water and out of this comes this, this whole beautiful thing. And you look different. You're clothing yourself with an overflowing heart set on all these things. And, and so I, w- I want to draw us into something in these last minutes. I want to I draw us into this kind of image of what he's trying to do in us. So you see there's kind of two sides of one coin. There's this tearing off, this killing, this taking off, and then there's this building up, this putting on, this kind of new thing. And so in these last minutes of our service together, we're going to kind of do it in two parts. I want you to think about this, but let me walk you through it to understand that that part of what has to happen today is we have to be serious about, because of this life we have in him, we have to be serious about allowing him to tear off these old things, kill these old things. Some of you maybe have read the Chronicles of Narnia and you know the story of uh, the great Christ figure, Aslan the lion. And in one of the books, there, there's a book called The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. There's this young boy, his name is Eustace, and he's kind of a pain in the neck. Uh, but he finds this bracelet, this gold bracelet, and he puts it on it and, and gre- he puts, steals it because of greed. And when he steals it and he puts it on, he becomes a dragon. And, and as a result of being this dragon with this giant uh, leg and this bracelet, he's in utter pain. And Aslan comes to him. And Aslan uh, realizes that, and he takes him up to this, this mountain. He takes him to this, this, this well where he can bathe. But he instructs Eustace that before you get in the water, you have to undress. And Eustace is a dragon. He's like, this makes no sense. But then he remembers, well, a dragon can shed its skin like a snake or a lizard or something. So he begins to try to shed and he, he sheds this layer of dragon skin only to find that there's another layer of dragon skin. And he peels off the next layer only to find that there's still more dragon skin. And finally, Aslan says, you're going to have to let me do it. At what point, Eustace, he's, he's entirely terrified about the idea of this great lion sinking his claws into him and what it would mean. And when Aslan rips in and begins to pull off, he, he realizes he feels the sting at first because Aslan digs down deep to the very core and he begins to pull it away. But ultimately what Aslan is able to do is pull off this entire skin. And he takes Eustace and he throws him into the water and Eustace feels the sense of sting at first. But then he feels the refreshment of the water and he begins to swim in it because he knows once again he's a boy. And so for many of us today, we realize, we look at this list and we feel overwhelmed by it and we need the great Lion of Judah to come. And as scary as it seems, we need him to sink his claws into us and pull away that which is going to destroy us. And this morning, uh, we want that. But, you, but, but see this too, he doesn't just want to rip this away. He wants to clothe you. King Jesus wants to clothe you in royal robes. He wants to put on you all that you are meant to be. He wants you to shine and to, and to adorn with all the beautiful things of, of, of his nature. This is what he wants for you. And so he wants our hearts, our minds to be set on this. And, and he wants to do something beautiful. I, I, I've uh, uh, been having fun with my daughter. We've been, I, I'll take her out from time to time uh, shopping. We spend like a daddy-daughter uh, night uh, together. We'll have dinner. And uh, thankfully, she's not that expensive yet. Uh, but I love watching her imagination, the way that, that color and texture 
and all this stuff comes together. And she's kind of holding things up. And in the vision, I say, well, what about this? And she goes, oh, Dad, you can't put this and this together. And I realize, go back to your phone and scroll through Twitter and do whatever. And I stand there awkwardly outside the waiting room, uh, the dressing room. But I love watching her imagination go as she kind of dreams this. And, and I think in some ways, this is where we have to, have, if, a, if a young kid can see these beautiful images of what we can become, how much more the King of Kings, the one who holds it all together, the one who has chosen you, the one who thinks you're holy, the one who thinks that, that you uh, are, are, are worth the sacrifice he was willing to pay, the one who says you are seated in these high places, these places of honor, this place of love, this is who he sees. We've got to let him do his work. And so I want to invite you to uh, begin to think about this. And I want to lead us in a prayer. And so I want to encourage you to bow. And I want you to listen again to these words. And I want you to be willing to let the Holy Spirit say to you, God's Spirit here, as Matt said in the room, God's Spirit to impress upon you, hey, we got to work here. I need you to lean in here because we have got to get rid of this. Hear it in love. Hear it because you have died in him and you have been raised in him. Hear it because you are chosen, because you are holy, because you are deeply, dearly loved. And so listen to what he wants to Remove from your life. Put to death, then, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Immorality. Impurity. Lust. Evil desires. Greed. Idolatry. Rid yourself of things like anger. Rage. Malice. Slander. Filthy language. No more lying. Put on the new self. Let God's Spirit speak to you about what it is that He wants to tear off because He loves you. Take a moment, silently reflect on that.